Welcome again to the Developer Tribe and a big thank you to everyone who has listened and subscribed this week. This podcast delves into the processes and practices of coaches, educators and beyond, offering us their insight and giving us cause to reflect. Thank you for being here, however you got here. And with that, let's jump in. My guest today is Aidan O'Sullivan, a UK-based mentalist blending traditional magic and mentalism methods alongside genuine psychology. I met Aidan online via the Mind Valley platform and was struck by his optimism, positivity, and openness to assimilate knowledge from a wide range of disciplines into his work. Aidan made the jump last February to focus more on his entertainment business and is a co-host on the Successful Mentalist podcast. I wanted to get Aidan on the podcast to unpack some principles of mentalism and selfishly because of the connections that can be made with the development and maintenance of relationships, a hugely important part of the coaching and teaching process. I'm so pleased, therefore, to welcome Aidan to the tribe. What an intro. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. That's, uh, that's really made my day already. I love that. <laughs> oh, great. Fantastic. Well, good to start that off in uh, such a positive front. Tell us uh, what the journey has been like for you since you made the jump to focus on mentalism as, as such a big part of your life. I mean, it's, it's always the dream, right? I think everybody at some point has had that little dream, even as a, as a child to think, oh, I wish I could be a magician. I wish I could be, I wish I could read minds. I wish I could do something. So to be able to, to say that, yeah, I, yeah, I do that now. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. It, it's weird. It, it's a weird time at the minute, obviously, given this is in amongst an entertainment no-go zone. But you know what? I'm, I'm actually really, really happy with it. I think it's given me a lot of opportunities that have not really presented themselves beforehand. And it's, we were always pushed to sort of chase our dreams and chase what we really enjoy the most. And, and I think being able to just say, yeah, I, what do, what do you do? Oh, well, I, I do card tricks at parties. If you want to boil it all the way down, like it's so much fun. And I just get to meet people. And for me, that's far more valuable than, than anything else it's the connections that are just it's great it's it's great i love it yeah you you can hear that in your voice and um you, I, you mentioned about you know the current situation in terms of the entertainment industry and the sporting industry is hurting as well mm-hmm. uh, you recently did uh, an online um an online co- i was going to say concert it's not a concert you know what i mean i was singing and dancing and praying yeah. about really uh, <laughs> all, all works how yeah, was no, it, it was how'd it go it was it was really interesting actually. So I, I ran it a couple of times, and it's it was it was a really weird environment. Now I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but it it just didn't have the same effect as a live event, like an actual event. I'm I'm just craving going back out there and actually seeing real people again properly. But yeah, the online world it's amazing. It's there's so much more functionality and so many f- more sneaky features that just take everything to the next level like, i really enjoy it i'm going to be doing another one at some point soon hopefully just because i like i really enjoyed it that much but it's it's weird but in a good way which is pretty much the story of my life if i'm honest it's weird, <laughs> weird but in a good way what a tagline is that, that going on the tombstone <laughs> that's it that's it that's gonna be front page website it's gonna be everywhere now wonderful uh so look i mean my only real exposure to to what mental mentalism is is the the incredible darren brown uh and 
you know, that, that means I have a really small understanding of what's going on. Um, how, how would you describe mentalism to those of us who really just don't know what it is? So mentalism in general is the idea that you can know more about somebody's thoughts and actually do something with those. So it's a lot of it is sort of the creating the illusion that we can read minds. A lot of it is also being able to influence people to make certain decisions and behaviors and, and actually do certain things in, in the way that we want. And essentially we're able to then use that to predict human behavior. So there's a lot of that, but my sort of specialism is in the psychological approach, like very, very similar to that Darren Brown in the nature that he does like the hypnosis and the, the psychology. I think he's got like a, he opens all of his shows with a million and one phrases that tell you everything is magic, showmanship, misdirection, you name it. It's all of that. It's, it's essentially a branch of magic that, that plays with your brain. And that's, that's what I specialize in. I, I, I love psychology. I've always loved psychology. I'm always studying psychology. And for me, it was just a natural way to embed the two. And like I was doing magic and I thought, well, psychology is cool. Magic's cool. Well, maybe I can, maybe I can combine them to the point that, now um, a lot of magicians get confused when I tell them that the tricks that I'm doing aren't actually tricks in the common sense. It's actually I'm genuinely using my ability to read people and, and genuine psychology to read people's minds, if you like. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it starts to point towards, you know, why I wanted you here. Um, there's a quote you have up on your Instagram page from Darren Brown that says we are each of us a product of the stories we tell ourselves. And I, I think the commonality between us when, when we first met and what drew us, drew us to the Mind Valley course was that desire to change that narrative, uh, to gain a greater control over our own. And, and in my coaching world, there's often a basic assumption that in order to coach a player, you must know the player. Uh, are there any principles of mentalism that you think a coach or a teacher could use to support really tuning into their understanding of who that person is whether it's a sort of a point from mentalism or a point from any form of entertainment in general i think it's the, the most important thing is to just be aware of what's going on you need to be aware of how people are responding to certain things how people are reacting and obviously my job is to be able to look at somebody and read and tell what understand what they're thinking so that I can then do the next bit of my show or the next bit of my performance. And I, I don't think reading minds is impossible. I genuinely think it's something that everybody can do. Like just how many times do you, I, I would say a lot of listeners and yourself included, have you ever had that experience where sort of the phone rings and before you pick it up or before you check it, you just have a, a quick mental guess on who it is. And then you check the phone and that's who it is. Right. It's a, it's a very like mild form of intuition and being able to use that in a, in a live situation. When you're talking to people, you can use that to your advantage. So especially in the coaching world, which is something that I've, I've recently got into myself and actually it's so much fun. I'm loving it because it gives you that opportunity to, to deliver a point or share an idea or, or, or lay out a, a task or something and actually watch how somebody reacts to it because then you can get a better gauge of how they're responding to something and how they take it on for themselves. And, and that's invaluable. I know it's probably sounding a little bit waffly at this point, but honestly being able to just look at somebody and, and understand what they're thinking 
even just by reading body language. I think it was Albert Morabian who came up with the, the idea that the 7, 38, 55 rule of body language, a uh, rule of communication, sorry. And the idea was that at least 55% of communication is actually delivered through our body language. That's insane. That's insane. We don't need to talk to people to know what they're thinking. And it's a really easy skill to, to start paying more attention to. And like I give people the exercise of just, if you're walking down the street, start just in your head, you spot somebody and tell yourself as many things that you know about them. As you're walking or you're sat in a, a restaurant, even you look over and you see somebody else, try and tell yourself as many things about that person, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what, how they're reacting. Just tell yourself as many things because nine times out of 10, you're actually going to find yourself being right. And it's a trainable skill. And once you can do that, well, it's only going to benefit because then you can change anything that needs changing. It's, it's, it speeds up the learning process. Does, does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say it's trainable because I it think, really that's, you know, within the coaching world, that's, it's something that's been pointed out, say in the academic literature, it comes up as noticing, being observant, empathic accuracy. But there's been very little in terms of the actual development of that, what that looks like within a, a sports coaching world. And it's quite clear which characters are just sort of naturally better at it than others. Um, you may have heard, I, I spoke with a, a lady called Esme Gulick recently, and she was talking about the development of emotional intelligence in, in coaches. So from your perspective, tell us a little bit more about how it's trainable, this aspect. Yeah, I realized that uh, I can't really leave the answer to that question of, I oh, just try and read people's minds. <laughs> yeah, there's, there needs to be a little bit more than that. I, I feel like you guys need more than that. Um, yeah, so it, it is really trainable. And it's it's one of those situations that, for me, the way I read minds is through the understanding of human thought patterns. I know what sort of things people are likely to think. And I exploit that heavily. I know what people are going to typically react like. So I exploit that heavily. And I'm also, the more you do things, and this is the important thing, a lot of it's down to frequency. So the more you start doing things and more, the more you start trying to think about what people are thinking about you're just going to you're going to naturally develop the skill and for me i don't think it's a problem a lot of performers in this mentalism world say that you shouldn't ask questions like if you're trying to read someone's mind you should be direct you should know uh, what they're thinking obviously because that's your job you're the mind reader but for me i'm much more happy to say well okay so here's where i'm at this is what I think the situation is. This is what I think that you're thinking of. And this is what I think this is the bind that we're in right now. What would you say? And actually just asking people like, is this a fair assumption? Come up with these ideas of how are they thinking? If they're really getting involved with a, a task or an idea or, or they're taking action, then great chances are that's working. Let's ask yourself those questions of, okay, why is that working? Why is that specific task resonating with them? Is it because they're interested in something that connects with that? Is it because it's something that they're naturally just gifted at? They're just really good at this specific type of task, or maybe they're really good at communication or they've got really good leadership skills already. Find that for 
every single coaching client. That's the most important thing. Just find out what their skills are. So then when you develop, uh, give a task, check their re reaction and don't be afraid to just sort of ask like, okay, I think this is your position on this. I think that you didn't perhaps resonate with this specific idea or this exercise. And I would probably say that it's because you're more of a, a natural leader rather than someone who follows the instructor. Is that correct? Yes. Most of the time. And it's, it's a sort of a branch of um, magic called, uh, if people know about it, it's cold reading. And that's the idea that you can know as many things as you like about a person without having ever, never met them before. It's, it's a really powerful tool. And I think it's genuinely one of the most trainable tools because it's just being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and say, well, if I was in that position, what would I do? If I was in their, their situation, what would I do? How would I think? How would I react? And as a result of that, you just, just ask more questions. That, that's really it. It's, it's really hard to explain the sort of nuances of, of the, deep, the deep psychology by literally just saying, oh, good read minds. But it really is as, as simple as just have a guess. Have a guess. Just think, okay, you might not have had an exercise land. Ask. Why do, get feedback. Why, why didn't that work with you? Okay, that makes sense makes note, edits, improves for the next time. Yeah, that checking in process uh, and, and to validate as well, so important within, again, sort of taking it back to my, my world as, as a football coach, so many of my decisions that I'm making during a session have to be more naturalistic they, because everything's on the fly. It's a really complex world, much like an entertainer, you know, dealing with lots of people doing lots of different things all at the same time. So how do, how do we get to a place where we are able to notice, observe, pick up on these things, cold reads, as you, as you explained it, but not be so conscious of it that actually we're just thinking about thinking? <laughs> yeah, that's a very valid point. And it's a, it's a trap a lot of people that are trying to learn this stuff actually fall into. You spend too, too much time in the thought rather than in the moment. And... I would argue that if you're worried about thinking too much about thinking, you're probably already thinking too much. Stop. Just have a, literally have that quick impulse thought. Go with your gut. Genuinely, it's, it sounds terrible. Like reading minds is just go with your gut, but it really is. Come go with whatever first comes to you in the moment, because that's more likely to be correct. Like your brain sends you the information that you need at the time that you need it for the majority of times. So I don't personally understand why so many of us in so many situations get stuck on the whole, okay, this is what I think is the right decision, or this is what I think in this moment. But let me just have a, a 10 minute thought to just check my, check my work. Like, no, you've already had that information delivered to you on a plate. Go with that. Just speed up. Don't, don't get too bogged down into that thinking and thinking about thinking. Just have a thought, try and get a quick answer, go. Point, shoot, go. Easy as that. So if, if, you, if you feel like that's going to be a problem, just avoid it instantly and just stop. Recognize that you're thinking too much and move on. 
it's it's, it's fair advice and, and and logical too you you have a freebie on your your website your 10 tips to improve your mentalism and there, there are a couple that i really wanted to pick up with you and you've already started to touch on one there which was the first is just to slow down and i i picked that out um reflecting on my own history as a coach that that need to jump in and transmit knowledge you know when i was a, a younger inexperienced coach i was desperate to get this information across to try and accelerate the learning of the, the players in front of me um at least i thought i was doing that rather than allowing the constraints of the practice uh and the players time to understand their role within it to to really be the effectiveness do you have any techniques that you use to remind yourself when you're performing to slow down? Yes. <laughs> now, I'm hesitant because when I'm performing, it's, it's chaos. I don't say that lightly. It is chaos when I'm performing. You literally, it's like somebody set a Tasmanian devil in a three-piece with a big red bow tie just on stage, and it's, it's, it, the energy is crazy. And a lot of the time I end up speeding up just because that's the energy and I'm picking up on the energy and the, so I try and I force myself like every, whenever there's a pause in my script, whether somebody else is doing something or there's an attention on somebody else or for whatever reason, when the attention is away from the important bits, I try and make sure that I stop and I just take a breath or at the end of every sentence, just take a breath because that breath, not only is it going to calm you, calm you down, physiologically obviously but it's also just going to give you that moment to pause to think and for me obviously a lot of entertainment is like we're, i'm here to do a show and there's trick 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 throughout the the show but i'm trying to get away from that and so after every trick for lack of a better term in this case i just try and make sure to just pause and just talk to other people talk to people it doesn't have to be the all about me show just because you're the coach or the, the leader in this situation. It's not the all about you show. If anything, I think it's less about you in this moment and more about everybody else because for it, from my own shows, the attention is, it should always be on the audience because I can't like re me reading my own mind. Isn't going to be interesting for anybody. No one is going to find that interesting like at all. So the important thing is for other people to get involved and the audience are where it will shine in my case. In the world of coaching, it's quite literally, you're not there to, oh, look at me. This is like, I'm a good coach because I can make this exercise work or I can do this specific thing. No, you're a good coach because you can take your clients on a transformative journey to reach a goal that they've got, to reach an endpoint that they've set. So it's, it's talking to them and putting the attention back on them and as soon as you start doing that and realize that this is probably going to sound really terrible because it kind of has a half and half meaning, but when you start realizing that you don't matter as much as you think that you do, everything will slot into place. Because for me in the shows, it's not about me. It's doing this trick, trick, trick. It's not like, aha, I'm the greatest showman. It's no, I'm just, I'm just the guy in the three piece prattling about on stage for an hour the actual magic in this situation is what's happening in everybody else's minds. And I've just got to try and work that out and read it. No, that's, that's a fantastic description. And it reminds me of a, 
a phrase that I heard many years ago that has stuck with me of, of moving as a coach away from being that sage on the stage to the guide on the side. And it, That's it, beautiful. it really stuck with me. And I think it, it describes a little bit of what you're, you're uh, intimating there. The, the, the second one I really wanted to pick up with you is on your uh, top, top 10 tips. It was to understand your character. And I, I spoke about the need to understand the player before, but in order to do that, to have a really good own self-awareness uh, and how your character might be most effective or indeed ineffective in certain situations can be such a powerful force in influencing others. What is your process for that continual character development that I, I know you work hard on? Yeah, so this one's something that it will happen for the rest of your life because if, if you think you're okay and you've got the best possible version of yourself right now, the best possible character right now, I, I think that says enough as is like, there's always room to learn more. It's always learn to improve, always learn to grow. And it's one of the two things that over on the successful mentalist that we, we really advocate for. We advocate for the big solutions or the big two solutions to any problem is to understand why you're doing something and to understand who you are. If you can do that, it works. It's like the old phrase of uh, you can't fill somebody else's cup with a cup that's empty. Uh, you have to fill up your own cup before you, uh, there's that, I've really terribly bodged that, but you, you know that, that metaphor, that thing that we're talking about. We get the idea. Um, but this is it. So it's important to understand yourself. And I think so much of the work, in fact, let's literally just, I know this isn't going to really, really make sense, but if, if you and the listeners could just right now think of maybe um, uh, three, three things. Who are you? Just three points, just in your head. Now give a second for that. Okay. So at this point, this is something I'm really interested in and fascinated with at the minute because most people will come up with the same three or four points. You usually get a name, obviously. You get a job. And you'll get an age. Did, did were any of those what you thought of, Tim? Uh, they they would have been, truthfully. And, and, and so I've, I've almost tricked this because I've, I've been through a process of really settling on my personal philosophy, and it's three words. So um, immediately those three words came to me. But if you'd asked me prior to that, I'm absolutely certain that I would have said those three things. But that's it. This is it's crazy how we boil our like our lives, our whole who are you? Well, you're not your job. That's just a thing you do. What what for me that just I don't get that. Like why are we calling ourselves by something that we do? Three facts on who you are. Okay, you get your name, fine. Job. I, I don't really see it. that doesn't tell me anything about you, if I'm honest. Sure, it tells me that you you work in retail. Cool. That ends that conversation. You can dig deeper if you need to, but really finding the character is more asking, not who are you? It's more finding that, or, or what am I going to do next? That's the big pitfall. What do I do next? What do I do next? Okay. I've done this thing. I've achieved this goal. What do I do next? That doesn't cut it anymore. In my eyes, we need to be asking the questions of who do you want to be? And I can't remember I've heard where I heard this, but this is definitely not my own thought. But it's asking yourself, who do I want to be? Who is the person that 
I want to be in five years time, 10 years time. I, I don't know if you've seen Matthew McConaughey's, uh, he did a, a speech and he about his 10, chasing his 10 year hero. Fascinating. For, I saw that and I was just like, yes, I resonate with this on every level. And if you haven't seen that, go and watch that straight away. I would, I would even argue that you pause this podcast, go and watch that and then come back and pick up where you left off because it really is incredible. And, and it's all about finding yourself, setting your goal for yourself in 10 years. And, and the real practical ways of doing that is to simply ask yourself, okay, this is me now. Do a, a profile of all the things you're good at now and all the things you're not good at now. And do, do you want to change the things you're not good at? Do you want to improve on the things that you are good at? What, what do you want to do more of? What are you passionate about? What do you enjoy? Where do you want to take your life? What, what is your big life purpose? And for me, that's something that's something huge in and of itself that's a mission that i'm exploiting on a, a completely different level like but i genuinely think as soon as you find out that direction the rest of your life will be point and shoot because it's that simple so ask yourself those questions of of what am i good at what am i not good at what am i interested in what am i not interested in and just start fleshing out you and i, I really don't want everybody like in in five years time i don't want people thinking the same three things like who are you I, I, you're not a job you're, you're a human being with skills and talents and incredible potential i, I don't care that you work in a, a filing company like I, and yes i am using that as a, a really boring version of a job to, to emphasize my point i don't even care i'm not even ashamed to admit that yeah uh, fascinating to hear your, your thoughts on it and i'm gonna add in one more thing which is you know I, i've done many personal self-help versions of things over the years some have been more successful than others all of them have pushed me closer towards what what i want to achieve but the one question that really, really helped me to understand just how much responsibility I needed to take for my own self-discipline over it was until when. And it was about looking at some of these things that were, I suppose, more of the negative traits. But until when is it okay that I'm like this rather than what I want to be? So look, I love the, the speech from Matthew McConaughey as well. I love the idea of chasing your 10-year hero. But is it, I'm going to do nine years, 364 days, and then on the 10th, when the 10th year arrives, I'm going to be that person. It's obviously not going to happen. And that's a trap that so many of us fall into. So being asked that one question of, well, you know, you, you, you're going to bed late and watching TikTok till two in the morning until when is that still okay to do and and so often when i was asking myself that question it's like well yesterday actually it's it's okay until yesterday if i'm being really honest well that's it that uh, that's amazing that's genuinely made me think about a lot of things and i, I really like that until when because it, it it reminds me a little bit of a jim quick quote which i think has been i think it's around a little bit but it's the idea that if you fight for your limitations you get to keep them mm. if you fight for your limitations you get to keep them 
and being able to ask this question of, okay, this is, this is a limitation. This is something I'm not good at. This is something that I struggle with until when get that immediate plug and then destroy that limitation. Because I think that in the example you gave there about in nine years and 364 days, will you be at that point? Chances are, I actually think, yes, you will be at that point. But if you still want to be at that point, then you've got to catch up again because you've got another 10 years to, to plan for now. So if you end up being in 10 years time, the person that you want to be, then great that you've done something right. You've really lived that intentional life, which is something that, again, I'm hugely passionate about. But then you've got another 10 years. And I think something really interesting is um, whether, you, whether you like Elon Musk or not, he does something absolutely out. He does a lot of outrageous things, but he does, uh, he does something absolutely crazy. He maps out his 10 year goals and then does everything that he possibly can to make them happen in six months. Wow. Could you imagine if we did that with our 10 year heroes? That would, that would change everything. Like that would change the world if everybody was able to look dream big and think, right, this is the person I want to be in 10 years time. But why does it have to take 10 years to get there? Uh, let, me, let me focus on this for six months. And it doesn't have to be hard work. I'm not saying that you have to go through grueling procedures of breaking a million bad habits to really become that person because that's not the way it is. You've got to work smarter rather than work harder. And it applies in any field. I'm, I'm really passionate about working smarter than putting a million hours in and really grinding yourself to the bone to try and get something done because I just don't think it's necessary. And I think if anything, you're not going to get the impact rather than working in a more intelligent way and, and thinking, okay, what's going to, I, I talk about this a lot over on the successful mentalist and in my own world of, of performing and with stop existing and everything, but what's your highest leverage interests? Where are the highest leverage points? If you can move the needle on this one thing, that's going to have the most, profound changes and as soon as you can work out those then i mean that changes everything in and of itself you don't need a million and one little changes if you can just tackle that one big thing it'll have a knock-on effect but yeah there's just some extra thoughts on some of the things you said i, I really like that until when Sharing them and, and you you mentioned briefly there stop existing and i really want you to to unpack what this new venture is you know you um you clearly have a, a passion for helping others with going towards a more intentional life is that what stop existing is is about that's completely what stop existing about is about um to to boil it absolutely completely simply Stop existing is essentially my approach to making the world aware that living your dreams is actually a lot more straightforward than you think it is. Because at the, at the present, to give just one example, we're, I mean, we're taught to dream big and we're taught to have big goals and have ambitions. And then as soon as we step outside of that motivational, yeah, have big goals, we're thrown into a world that does not cater for those. So, there's only one way of making that happen and that's through our, our own work and our own missions and actually our own dedication to the life that we want to live. And it, it is really simple to live the life that you want and to live, to live the life, to live the life that you're dreaming of, sorry, 
you literally just point and shoot. We've, we've said it earlier. It's point and shoot. Okay, I want to live this type of life. I want to be this kind of person. Get really clear on why you want to be that person living that life and just do it. It's that simple. Now, I know it's not easy to do, but this is it. It's for the, for the most part, the world doesn't have that level of intention to, to do this. We don't think intentionally. We don't live intentionally. We live in a, a world of societal pressures that fix us into the same, essentially the same lives. We all live different versions of the same lifestyle. And to, to paint that a little bit more clearly, now I've, I've spoken to a lot of people across the globe and, and the model, although it's not exact, it, it matches up, but it's that idea that we go to school, we go through the education system that then pressures us to a university in which then pressures us into a career for 40 to 60 years of our life so that we can enjoy the final 20. That's absurd. I, I, we all live that same model of life for the most part. And anybody who breaks outside of that is like, oh, they're revolutionary. Oh, they're, uh, they're living their dreams. This is amazing. Oh, I wish I could be like that. Well, it's easy. Just point and shoot. And, and that's it. It's all I want is to just switch on that intentional living because it's a, it's a, a mission or an idea that once you switch that light bulb on, you cannot switch it off. I've spoken to people six months ago when I had the first idea of stop existing. And that's what that's all stop existing is. It's just my push to help people live an intentional life. Like you can happily go through the education system and, and, and live that life in that model that I've just described that everybody seems to live through. But if you're doing it intentionally, I don't have a problem with that because you're doing it because you've got a reason for it and because that's what you want to do. But it's when people just do that because there's no other way. That that's that yeah that for me is the problem. But as soon as you start thinking about it, you can't stop. It just doesn't happen. I spoke to somebody six months ago, and he came literally came back to me two weeks ago and just said, you know, we had this small conversation. I'm glad you've launched Stop Existing, but you know when we had this conversation six months ago, yeah, I have not been able to stop thinking about that since. Good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's that's brilliant. It becomes almost like an earwig. You know, it's just constantly going on. Um, it feels to me then, it, it, you know, what a wonderful uh, program it's going to be. And I'll put the links in and you can, you know, people can go away and find out more about it. I wish you the very best of luck with it. I'm sure you'll be fantastic. It, it feels like it's almost changing the barriers. You know, when, when you're working with young people, adults, whoever, one-to-one -one in particular, and you're talking to them about something that you've noticed, you've observed and you can see that there's like a, there's a, an internal barrier to that development. You of course get the natural, but I can't do this because, you know, not yet all of those kinds of things. And we, we do that so naturally. And I think that's where coaching and mentoring really fits in because it's being able to indirectly shift and change those barriers because those barriers do exist, acknowledge them, validate them. Unfortunately, so much of the self-help stuff, so much of previous coaching work, it's let's remove the barriers. Well, that's not the point. The point is to change the viewpoint of the barriers, change what they feel like, what they look like. And then what are the tools that the person naturally has that means they can break through them? Well, it's exactly that. It, it's, a, it's very much a case of 
if you're going to try and surface level remove a barrier, you're going to need a blooming big sledgehammer. And not everybody is strong enough to pick up a sledgehammer. Uh, that's, that's the easiest way of thinking about it. But you're right. Instead, it's more important to, to reframe the barrier, the limitation, whatever it is, and tackle it from a, a strength perspective rather than just head on. Because if you try and tackle something head on, like you're just going to get that resistance and that, oh, no, it's, it's the pressure. But it really is. Okay, this is the situation. Become fully aware that this is the limitation. Understand every single detail of this limitation. Like I would argue that if, as soon as you find yourself like unable to do something, you ask yourself the, the initial questions of why can't I do that? Why? I just keep asking why really. It's like, why can't I do this specific thing? Well, this is why. Okay, but why is that the case? And why is that? the case that that's the case and why is that the case that that's the case that that's the case and you go as deep as you possibly can and go to the absolute root cause because if you go to the root cause then any like you can literally it, then it becomes like a light switch in and of itself you just okay right now i know why so let me just fix that tiny little point and you'll see the chain reaction all the way back up and it's the little steps so most of the time that are important but tackling it head on it just it, it doesn't work for the most part, again, some people are just naturally able to just like, yep, okay, there's the problem. Let's just, I've painted it red. Let's uh, move on. Yeah, like you say, moving past that surface level. It's almost like a toddler, isn't it? You know, why Why is the sky blue? Well, you know, it, it is. Well, why? You know, the, obviously want to know more, know more. Why is the things are as they are? And of course, as we grow older, we come to an understanding that perhaps we can't know everything. And then it's okay to not know everything, but we lose that curiosity as well it's so important it's so important that, that genuinely that i've ne- not even thought about this realistically in a while before but we need to be back as toddlers we need to go back to that point of asking all of these why questions and and hows and what ifs because if we really want to make a change or make an impact and actually like be good at something that we're that we're really intentional for we need to get like these toddlers, we need to ask these questions. We need to get all of this information so that we can take the action that we need and, and do it in a more informed way. And children are the most profound learners. That's where they're learning everything. They are, their brains are literally wired to learn as much as they possibly can. And we lose that. We, we literally lose that as, as we grow older. We, we lose all of the, I mean, our brains naturally change and that's a, a partly a reason why that happens but we lose that curiosity as you mentioned we lose that ability to or that desire to learn more because we get boxed into this is the way it is or or this is just you, you don't need to know that you can just do something different instead i mean just be be toddlers right and don't be afraid to be toddlers let's all be toddlers let's let's all set up like that's it i, I don't want any more uh, social networking groups or, or whatever we want to call it now. We're, we're going to go to just a giant adult crash. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, it sounds great. I'm in, I'm in. Done. Done. Took a weird turn. Sorry for that. It, it, it uh, did take a appreciate that. No, no, absolutely. Let, bring, to bring it back a little bit, you know, the, the point of this, this podcast is really to speak to those who are working in coaching, education, coaching, uh, development of others. And again, so much value in, in what you've offered to us today. So thank you. 
if I had to ask you to pick one more thing, one more technique or idea that would really help those of us who are trying to develop others in what can be a really difficult relationship, what would, what would that be? That's a very good question. The, 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 the thing that I genuinely believe would move the needle the most is it's, it's simply just don't be afraid to change yourself. That, that ability to adapt is profound. Because if, if you're in a position that you're struggling or you're or you're, and again, I'm not just saying adapt here. It's it's radically adapt in a situation. If you if you end up in a situation where you're trying to support somebody else through through coaching or or, or any other means that you've suggested, and it's just not resonating with them, and you've tried a few different things, and you've you've it's just not working. Radically adapt. Ask for the help and and get that support that you need. Like, okay, this is my situation. I'm really trying to break through with this client or with this um, specific person. And I just, I, what do you think I should do in this situation? Get that feedback and don't be afraid to radically change everything. I've done it before that in terms of the show world, I've written an entire show and I've literally, I've, I've stood on the stage to start the show and I've looked out at my audience and I've just felt something was wrong. I don't know what it was. And I, it's a weird experience, but I just thought this isn't really going to, I started the show and it just didn't really work. So after the first routine, I scrapped the rest of the show and improvised the rest of it. Not because that's like a, an ego thing, like, oh, yeah, look at me. But it's because I, I just sensed there was something different. And you've got to give the people that you're helping what they need, not what you think they need. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. That's fantastic, Aidan. And, and, and for me, you know, the, the, the real immediate connection would be delivering a coaching session. And having written the session design, spent ages, uh, tried to en envisage it in your head and, oh, this is going to be great. The kids are going to be buzzing. And then it just doesn't work like that. doesn't happen. And so, you know, the, the more experienced I've become, it's about, okay, well, am I getting the returns that I want out of this practice? And then can I make it more sim simple? So that whatever the kids are bringing with them on that day, this group of individuals and all of the con context that they're bringing with them, I can then adapt to those things far more easily than if I'm going, I've developed this practice and we're going to do it, damn it. Yeah, that brute force attitude to I've done the work, you're going you're gonna to make it work. It's, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You've got to be able to radically change everything at a moment's notice. And I, I realize that sounds scary for a lot of people. And I realize that's like the most daunting thing. Like what? I'm, I'm not prepared to improvise. I'm not an improviser. I'm a, a real careful, hard thinking planner. That was me. That was all I was doing. I was there to, I wanted every word in my shows to be written. I wanted every everything that I was doing to be carefully and meticulously planned out. And then I just realized that if you, if you meticulously plan every detail, something's going to go wrong because you've got more um, sort of contact points for failure. You've okay. You've planned out everything. If, if 
any tiny little change damages that you've given yourself a free contact point for failing and then as a human species our brains are wired to protect us and and failure and any negative thing that comes up it, we draw our attention straight to that and then we focus on that like we get a post on social media i guess 99 fantastic comments and then one really mean one where is our attention it's always on that mean one always so yeah i mean that's it it's it's just don't be afraid to improvise and and radically adapt and and essentially remove the fear of failure by removing the opportunity for failure brilliant aiden what a superb conversation uh, as i was fully expecting and I, i'm sure there'll be another opportunity to have you back on another time later down the road I, I hugely appreciate your willingness to open up about your work and i'm sure there was a lot to gain from the conversation for the listeners i i, I know i've taken on a lot there's uh, plenty of little nuggets that i've written down uh, where is it best for people to get hold of you oh thank you so much again for for having me on this it's uh it, it's really great to just have these intellectual conversations with people because we don't have those conversations. Oh, I'm glad you think it's an intellectual. <laughs> so, I appreciate that. That's amazing. But yeah, if, if anybody wants to find me, I think the easiest way to, to find me is um, literally just aidinthewizard.co.uk. That's all my performance stuff. Um, yeah, Stop Existing and The Successful Mentalist will all be on the website so you can navigate and look around from there. But that, that's pretty much it. See, easiest way yeah that's fantastic Aiden. thank you so much for what you've given us today really appreciate it and it just leaves me to say welcome to the tribe thank you so much that's it for episode 7 I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did Aiden's details are in the descriptions to the pod should you want to check out his work more the music you are listening to is by BB Phoenix, who recently got herself played on BBC Introducing, making the tribe proud. Once again, thank you for taking the time to listen and look forward to having you back here next week. <laughs>